Welcome to Evangel Church, where we believe in seeing changed lives changing lives. My name is Pastor Chris, and we're glad that you're here with us today at Evangel Church. Uh, we're glad for a full house and for many of the uh, families that have been dedicated to the Lord. We talk about baby dedication. It's really all about the families that are being dedicated and the lives in the future. It's such an exciting time, and I know, um, having walked with a few of the families, just how faithful God has been. Amen. Every child is a miracle from the Lord, and uh, we're thankful for the miracles that God is producing in this house. Now that they would walk with the Lord, and uh, we heard it said, Paul said, it takes a village to raise a child. Amen. Mandy, amen. My wife will say amen to that. I thought you'd be shouting about that. We realize it. Um, we're in a series of messages right now, and the title of this series is the power of habit, and you've come at the last installment of our series. This is the final week, and I've really been enjoying um, how the Lord has been leading us through Scripture during uh, this summer months. I, I call it kind of a summer of shaping for us. It's a time where we are just learning and growing together as we come to God's Word. Uh, we preached a series of messages in June about relationships and those individual one-on-one -on -one relationships that we need in our lives. Uh, and now we're talking about habits, and habits are a powerful, powerful thing that we have in our lives. Oftentimes when we think about habits, we think about them in the negative sense, that there are those habits that we just can't seem to shake, those bad habits that are a bit annoying in our lives. Um, I love how John Maxwell talks about habits when they're um, holding us back. He said many people, they have uphill dreams, but they have downhill habits. And so you're only going to be able to rise to the level that your habits will allow you. Your habits can literally create a ceiling or be a threshold that holds you back from reaching places that you're meant to reach. And so when it comes to our relationship with God, when it comes to our lives and us truly understanding what it means to walk with Jesus, you can have all the desire and all the intentions and all the, the hope to do all those things but at the end of the day, you're going to rise and fall on the power of your habits, what power your habits have and what they're producing in your life. I've known this from raising our two children now that we have tried to instill some habits, some things that we will do over and over and over again. And those healthy habits are going to help them grow and develop. Um, but there's also other things that if we do them habitually and we're not careful, um, like every time we go to the mall, if we go to a certain store that's called the Disney store, then my daughter, every time we go to the mall, that's what we're going to do. And if every time we go there, we buy something, are you with me, church? Then you know what she expects last night as we went to the mall. Because uh, you know why? She's in the habit of that. Um, and so for good or bad, those habits can have consequences and power in our lives. What would it look like, though, for a group of people who profess the name of Jesus, who are striving to follow him with everything that we have? What if we cut loose some of those habits that are downhill and holding us back, and we replace them with some holy habits, some habits that God's word calls us to have? What would it look like in us for those things to be formed? That's my heart's desire. And so my prayer for you is that from these messages, as you apply um, these teachings to your life, that you would allow some new habits to be formed. It's not too late for you to allow these to be formed even today and even coming into um, this next season um, so that the Lord would grow you and stretch you and help you reach new places that you've never been before. And so as we walk through this series, I want to just reintroduce you to the habits that we've talked about. The first one um, is around shaping us, and 
we looked at God's Word and understood its power, the power of the Word of God to shape our lives. Do you know that your life is not meant to be shaped by the words of others, by the opinions of man, by what's happening around you in the world? Um, so often our lives are being shaped by all of the wrong things. There are pressures around us, pressures in this world that are shaping us, that are conforming us. Instead, Paul says, don't be conformed, be transformed. Allow your life to be changed by taking in the Word of God, by walking and walking in obedience to the Word of God. We need a life that is no longer shaped by this world, but shaped by the Word of God. Amen? That will only be shaped by the Word of God if you're in the Word of God, if you know the Word. And to know the Word means you're spending time daily reading Scripture. What would it look like for you to develop a habit in your life? at a minimum of 10 days every single day that you're just reading Scripture. Once a week, what would it look like if you would actually commit one of those verses that you read to memory? Get in the habit of that and watch how your life starts to take on a different shape. Watch how some things start to shift in you. You know why? Because you're taking in the Word of God. You're getting daily bread every single day, and in that you're finding life. The psalmist says, in your words, there are life. God's word has the power of life and death. And so we, we, we look to God's word and we want to be shaped by the word of God. Secondly, we talked about having a habit around prayer. Oftentimes we have all the wrong responses. Think about it. When something bad happens, when, when there is something that surprises you, catches you off guard, something that hurts you, you have knee-jerk reactions. You have habits on how you have responded to those things. That's your impulse. What would it look like if you developed a new habit in your life around prayer that developed prayer as your first impulse when anything comes down the road? What would it look like instead of responding with some words that you're not proud of, with some emotions that you have to go back and apologize for, in responding to things in your own strength in ways that maybe don't honor God at all? What would it look like if your first resort in any of those times, in any of those moments, in every circumstance truly was to pray? To realize that the battle won't be fought in your own might. It won't be, it won't be won um, through your own wisdom and insight. It will be won on your knees through the power of God in prayer. So what would it mean to develop a habit of prayer daily with the Lord where you get alone with him and develop what I would call a prayer impulse, that that's your first response? As we were singing and closing out our worship time today, that, that brings me to the third habit that we talked about last week. That regardless of what's going on in your life, especially through the difficult seasons, through the trials, that as you pray and seek God, that inside of you, nothing will ever stop you from praising God. For some of us, the enemy has muted us. He's allowed our mouths to be shut. We've allowed the things that have happened to us, around us, in front of us, get in the way of us seeing that God still reigns that he is still on his throne, that he's still worthy to be praised. And we've learned that whenever we see the people of God developing a habit to persevere in praise, it is powerful. It brings freedom. It brings breakthrough. It changes environments. It changes circumstances. And it changes us. And so a habit around praising God in every season of your life, how you worship God in season, out of season, in every circumstance, is a habit that we have to have as believers in Christ. So you see, there's a habit around the Word of God, a habit around prayer, a habit around worship. And now we're going to talk about the final habit that I want to share with you from God's Word. And we see this in the early church. And if you have your Bibles, would you open with me to John chapter 17? 
In John chapter 17, Jesus is praying, and they call this his high priestly prayer. This is a prayer that Jesus prays over his disciples, and as the story unfolds right after this time, Jesus leaves to go to a place of prayer with his disciples, and it's there that he's ambushed. It's there that Jesus is arrested. It's there that he's then tried and goes to the cross and dies for your sins and for my sins. And as he's praying, these are some of the last and most precious words from the heart of Jesus to those who were with him. But what I find so remarkable about this section of Scripture here in John 17 is in the midst of all of that, Jesus takes a moment to not just pray for his disciples that are in the room. Hear me on this. You ready? He takes a moment to pray for you and for me. What catches me as I read God's word, especially here, is that I really get to see the Lord's heart, not just for those that were there in that moment, but he pauses and he turns towards you and towards me. And he has a prayer that's on his heart. There's something he's longing to see. The one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever prays for you. And I want you to hear that prayer and let's understand the substance of it today. Here's what it says in John 17, verse 20. Jesus says, my prayer is not just for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them, somebody say all of them, may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus prays in this moment, not just for those within the sound of his voice, but he prays for those who will believe. And I want you to know that the message that they received, they passed on, and it was passed on, and it was passed on, and it was collected as the word of God. And I want you to know that message that so many have come to believe in, it's the same message that you and I, if you're a follower of Jesus, have come to believe in. And so Jesus was praying for us even today, for the generations that would come, that there'd be something distinctive about us, something that would be formed in us, something that would be so recognizable that people would be drawn towards it. Jesus said, I pray this, that they may be one, that there will be a supernatural unity and bond that would come over the people of God, that there'd be no division that could overtake it, but that it would be so transformative it would be so counterintuitive so countercultural it would be so beautiful that people would be filled with awe and what would happen as a result of it may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me jesus said that there would be something so beautiful that would happen through the unity of my followers and what would happen is they gather together as one that when the world sees it, they would come to know me as Lord and Savior. They would believe the good news about who I am because they see it, not just individually in the lives of each person, but collectively when they get together. Lord, would you bring that unity to us today, Lord God? Would it begin, Lord, with a revelation in our hearts from your word, Lord God, of what's key, Lord God? Teach us this habit today, Lord God, that would allow us to become connected like many have not been connected before, Lord God. And I pray today, on this day, on the 30th of July, Lord God, 2017, as we look to your word, Lord God, as we look to you, 
I pray, Lord God, that your prayer, Jesus, would be fulfilled in our hearts and in this house, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus, ultimately, as we read this prayer and we look at his discourse at the very end of his life, his heart, his longing is for this, is that you and I would be connected to Christ, we'd be connected to the vine, and we'd be connected to one another, to the body of Christ. That's the heart, the longing of Jesus' heart, that we would be one with him and that we'd be one with one another in a way that would change lives. And so when we look into the early church, we go to the book of Acts, I believe we already see that Jesus' prayer is being answered. It's being fulfilled. The, the actual presence of that is taking place as we open the pages of Scripture. So as you have your Bible open to John 17, turn over a few pages with me to Acts chapter 2. It immediately follows the Gospel of John. In Acts chapter 2, we find the early church. And we have this portion of Scripture starting in verse 42 that really gives a lot of description to what's happening in the life of the early church. It's a lot of description about what's taking place and what it looks like when these believers come together. It's a beautiful picture. It's one that I pray we would be able to say of ourselves. Here's what it says in Acts 2, starting in verse 42. We're going to look at verses 42 and 43 first. It says, They, the people, devoted themselves. Someone say devoted. Themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So we see, as we talked about a few weeks back, the early church, the church that transformed the world around them, they had some habits. They were devoted to these things. They did them habitually. It says this, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Those things sound pretty familiar. We talked about the word of God, the apostles' teaching. that They devoted themselves to that, to the fellowship, to breaking of bread, to prayer. And there was a result that came as, a, as an end result of that. Here's what it says. It says, everyone was filled with awe and many signs and wonders performed by the apostles. So, so here's what happened. Everyone's filled with awe because there are many signs and wonders that are happening in the midst of this community. When we go back to Jesus' prayer, he said, I pray that you'll be one. And in the midst of what happens when you come together, that people would be in awe. They would be drawn. They would believe the gospel. They believe the message about me. So we talked about many of these habits, and there's some of the same habits the early church had around the Word of God and around prayer, around worship and coming together. But there's this word there. It says they committed themselves to the apostles' teaching and to, the Bible says, the fellowship. I want you to know something today. When Pastor Rick or, or one of us stand up and we say, hey, before you're seated, we want you to turn and greet somebody and uh, connect with them, tell them you're happy to, to see them. For some of you, you would think of that as fellowship. That's the fellowship time. That's not the fellowship that the early church was committed to. It wasn't one second shaking a hand, barely knowing a name. It was something that was so much deeper than that. It was something that went beyond just friendship and being friendly with one another. It went to a place where people truly connected with one another. There's a word that's used in the Bible. It's used 20 times in the New Testament. It's a Greek word, and it gets at the heart of what this word fellowship is all about. You see, we think of fellowship, we think of being friendly, we think of having fun. We, some of you think of potluck dinners and things along those lines. Um, it goes a lot deeper than that in the Bible. This word here that comes to the surface, the Greek word is koinonia. 
and some of you are taking notes. I, I got asked to, to how, how do you spell that, Pastor? Um, well, it's, a, it's being translated from the Greek, but if you need to spell for your notes, it's K-O-I-N-O-N, coin, na, ni-a, N-I-A. Sorry, I should have put it on a slide, right? I don't normally try to spell for you. It's K-O-I-N-O-N-I-A, koinonia. Koinonia is this Greek word that talks about fellowship or communion, and it's defined in these kinds of terms, but to get to the full depth of what it means, we have to look at the breadth of Scripture around it. This idea is about connection. It's the core of of koinonia is being connected to one another. It's being a part of this life-giving community that's a part of the body of Christ. Koinonia, I, I've I put together a definition that we're going to use for today's message as I've just prayed and, and looked through the passage of Scripture that speak to it. Here's what I see koinonia as. Koinonia is the supernatural and sacrificial connection or bond that is formed because of our connection to Christ. I'm going to say it again. Koinonia is the supernatural, sacrificial bond or connection to one another that is formed because of our connection to Christ. Here's what I want you to know today. There's somebody that's sitting right next to you. You don't know their name, but guess what? They're family today. Do you know why they're family? They're family because we're a part of the family of God together. When we come together, it's almost like we're in a little bit of a family reunion. Last weekend, my wife and I were out in the uh, right outside of Pittsburgh, and I got a chance for the first time in many years to be a part of a family reunion. Let me see your hands around the room. How many of you still have family reunions? Anyone? Oh, man, not too many of you. Um, family reunions are fun, but come on, somebody. They're a little bit awkward at times, right? I was at this family reunion, and I had the strange exercise because I've been there in so long of having to go around and introduce myself to people. It's like, hi, are we related to each other? I think so, because you're here as well. Um, and uh, what's your name again? And who are you? And how are we connected to one another? And it's funny because I realize that that there are people that are family, and I don't even really know them that well. Um, and when you come to church, I want you to realize that the people sitting around you for some of you, and, and, and truly I say this, you're more related to them than maybe even people that are in your very family. And I say that because the same blood that cleansed your life and saved you from the grave has saved them. The same blood that redeemed you on Calvary's cross has redeemed them. And today we're the children of God, and, and we got to remember when we look at each other, we're not just here as friends or as acquaintances. We're here as family. We're part of the same family. We've been adopted into the family of God, into the household of faith. And you and I, you and I are a part of the same family. Come on, look at somebody today right next to you. Say, we're family. Now, if you don't know their name, ask them what their name is real quick. Have that awkward moment like a family reunion. What's your name again? We're family. We're family. When we realize that we're family, it gets at the heart of what koinonia is all about. You know, it takes it a level deeper that then you can start to bond uh, and, and connect with one another in a way that goes deeper. 
than just an acquaintance and then someone you would just pass by. Koinonia calls for something deeper. It calls for us to truly interact with one another, to love one another. If you want to get at the heart of what koinonia is all about, this kind of connection to the body of Christ, this kind of community that Jesus prayed about, that the early church experienced, you should look into some of the passages of Scripture that we find in the New Testament. There's a series of phrases that people are instructed to do towards one another. They're called the one another's. And if you want to understand what koinonia is all about, then look at some of these examples of what we're called to do and who we're called to be to one another. Scripture tells us to be devoted to one another, to honor one another, to live in harmony with one another, to accept one another, to serve one another in love, to be kind and compassionate to one another to admonish one another, to encourage one another, to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. We'll talk about that in a few moments. To offer hospitality, to love one another. This is true biblical koinonia, where this is taking place, that we're creating communities and places where we can truly practice the one another's that we have in Scripture. When we look at this idea, there's some things that it calls for us and invites us into. If we want to experience and ultimately see the heart of Jesus be manifested here in this house, it starts in the fullness of it, I believe, is seen through true koinonia, connection in this way. Koinonia, it invites us to care for one another. You turn to somebody and you said, we're family. What would it look like? A year from now, two years from now. You're in a place that's unfamiliar to you. You're in a place where you don't, you didn't understand what you're going through. You never anticipated you'd be in that place. And maybe you're feeling very alone. And you're like, I don't know that anyone can help me right now. I don't know where my help is going to come from. You're praying, you're crying out to God, you're seeking him. You get a knock at the door. Who is it? This person you turned to today and laughed with and said, we're family. Said, I'm here. I heard about what you're going through. What can I do to help? Say, I can't believe you're here. We're family. I truly believe this is the heart of what God desires for us to be for one another, is family. Is to be there to care for one another, to help one another, to serve one another. I want you to know it doesn't matter where you go. And, I, and, and what's amazing when you're a part of the family of God and the body of Christ is you can be here on 1251 Terrell Road or you can head somewhere all around the world and you could run into another believer. And guess what? You're with family in that moment. And God can allow them to be used to help you, to walk with you, to meet you at a key moment in time. Um, this became so real for me and for my family over the last several months because what started as a one of our weekend trips to the park, it turned into truly a connection where I believe we started to experience some koinonia with another family um, that we came in contact with. I shared with you a story uh, several months back about a couple that my wife and I had run into. Lily uh, desired to go to the park one day, and so we took her out, and we were hanging out up the street from our house, and there are a lot of other kids playing and a lot of families there, but one kind of just kind of connected with us, and we noticed them, and I, I told Amanda, I said, go, go talk to her and try to get to know her a little bit more, and then the husband asked me when he saw the Evangel Church logo on my shirt um, if that was the church we attended. 
we come to learn about this family that they uh, lived in a whole different state that I think two weeks earlier they had moved to New Jersey, had kind of uprooted their lives, relocated them, their two small children, and their six-month pregnant wife. Uh, she, she was there, and they were getting ready in a few months to give birth to another child, and they just kind of had left everything. They came to New Jersey for six months where they were receiving some training, and his job was then going to take him to another country for two years. So they kind of didn't know anyone at all. And they show up and were kind of some of the first people that they had met. And they're believers. So guess what? We're family. They said, we don't have a church. We don't. I said, you have a church now. Come to Evangel Church. Come meet us. That next day they came to church. They got their kids involved in the children's ministry. They had their kids at VBS this last time that we had it. They just started to get involved in the life of the church. But we started to connect with them as well. What was amazing is we started to learn about their story learned that they had a couple challenging pregnancies with their first two children, and the pregnancy was that they were going in the midst of at that moment. We had no idea, but when we met them in the park and we invited them to a church service, and I believe that week we were even talking about healing and praying for healing, they had received a diagnosis that wasn't good for the child that they were getting ready to give birth to. And they were praying and asking God for a miracle. In fact, the wife, she said she was so, felt so lonely that she was just crying out that God would answer her prayer. And we had no idea we were part of God's answer to that prayer. You have no idea sometimes that you're the answer that someone's praying for. Like God's going to send you, not because you're anything special, but if you're obedient to him, God will use you to just be a part of an answer to someone's prayer and a part of God's story in someone's life. I had no idea they came. And in that very moment, as they're praying and praying for the health of their child, not sure what's going to happen, they cried out to the Lord. The next day, after that service, they go to the doctor, they get another check and get a completely clean bill of health for this child. Praise God. Amazing. And we're just learning. My wife and I, we're just talking. We're like, this is amazing. Like, and, and the husband and myself, we would get together sometimes at 6 or 7 in the morning. We would um, fellowship and connect. And then over time, he said, you know what? I don't have anyone. I need that. We talked about those relationships, those Barnabases. I need someone to challenge me. I need someone that will walk through God's word with me. And we could read together. So we started reading a book together and challenging one another to grow. And we would meet together. I learned that he was a pastor's kid. And uh, we just started to connect as families together. Fast forward a couple of months, and my wife and I, we were um, pulled away to some family things, and we were uh, very busy. And in the midst of all of our busyness, as we're running in one direction, we get a phone call from them, frantic. The baby's coming, premature. I'm rushing my wife to the hospital. None of our family's here. We have nobody. We don't know what to do. Can, can you come to the hospital? And, and we're like, we literally can't. We're, we're not even around. We're not even near and, and inaccessible to you. But I realized in that very moment that we're a part of a big family. <laughs> I need you to know that in 15 minutes, I was able to make two phone calls. And within two phone calls, someone from this house who did not know them from Adam stepped up, got in their car, drove to that hospital, sat with that family as they were going through that key moment in their life. Church, that's the body of Christ in action. That's Quinn and I. That's us. us carrying one another's burdens, sharing them with each other. They're a part of the story of what God's doing. But you know what this family saw? They saw the love and extension of the body of Christ being who Jesus prayed we would be. 
They sat there with the children. I want you to know that child has been born now. Um, it's growing healthy. She's amazing. And uh, we were just able to pray with that couple. And they're in a whole other country now, getting acclimated, getting connected. What's amazing is we have several missionaries we support there. So we're working to try to get them connected because they got to know no matter where they go, because they're a part of the family of God, they have family there. And so it's just about getting them connected. But their story isn't over. God's still going to use them. He's going to bring them back. I'm believing to New Jersey. Um, but we're part of family together. This is that koinonia that I believe that God calls us to, to care for one another, carry each other's burdens. Is it always convenient? No. Is it always right? Yes. It's a blessing when we do it. And when we're willing to think outside of ourselves, we see God start to do amazing things through that. Here's what you see happen in Acts chapter 2 in the early church. It's all the believers, 44, were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and their possessions, and they gave to anyone who had need. When you jump to chapter 4, you see it continuing. It says, In all the congregation of those who believed, they had one heart and one soul. Not one of them claimed anything belonging to him was his own, but they had all things in common, all property to them. And so when we see this, we see this unity that comes over the body of Christ that's amazing. We see this generosity that erupts in the hearts of God's people that's so uncommon. This doesn't look like a community. This looks like a family. This is koinonia. This is people sharing with each other and sacrificing for one another, realizing that we're in this together and we're here to serve God and to be the people of God together. C.S. Lewis famous author and apologist, theologian. In one of his books, he talks about the work of Christ in this way. And here's what he says. He said, Christ works in all sorts of ways, but above all, he works on us through each other. Men are mirrors or carriers of Christ to other men. Usually, it is those who know him that bring others to him. That is why the church, the whole body of Christians, showing him to one another is so important. It's easy to think that the church has a lot of different things it's focused on. Education, buildings, missions, services. But the church exists for no other purpose than to draw men to Christ and to make them little Christs. If they are not doing that, then all the cathedrals and clergy and missions and everything is pointless. This is why Jesus came. So we would know him and that would help others to know him. So it's about interacting with one another, being the, the, the really the hands and feet of Christ to one another, serving one another. This is a key part of koinonia. It involves and invites us to begin to care for one another in a way that maybe we haven't cared for one another in the past. But koinonia, I've learned as you look in Scripture, is only formed through consistency. It's hard to do that every now and again. You know, i got to celebrate. Where are the men at? Are there any men in the house? Come on, let me hear you, men. We had a men's barbecue night on Tuesday. It was awesome. Come on, men. Was it awesome? We had a great time. We had more barbecue than we knew what to do with. Um, we played cornhole in different games and sports and had a bonfire. But what I loved was there was connection that was starting to happen. There are people starting to get to know each other. We had all the men put, you know, write their name and then what town they're from. And you could see just over that. I was making connections. Oh, you live over there? Great. Let's grab breakfast sometime. Let's connect. Let's talk. There were people that were naturally getting to know one another. Now, if the next time we have any kind of connection with each other is the next time those men get together in a large group like that, that's not koinonia happening. 
It's got to be consistent, regular. I challenge the men. And so here's a reminder, man. I challenge you. Get together. Connect. Someone that you made a contact with, follow up on that. Get together for coffee. Share life together. Help us to build one another up and be who God has called and created us to be. Amen? Come on. Come on, ladies. you got to nudge them for that for me. Some of us wives are like, amen, more than the, the men. Come on, like, we, we got to do that. And that's, that's important for this part of it. But it's about consistency, getting together regularly. We're in Acts chapter 2, verse 46. It says, every day, come on, say it with me, every day. Every day. How often? They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. How often does it seem like they were doing this? Some of you are like, Pastor, what are you signing me up for here? I've been following you. <laughs> I'm not ready to move into everyone. We're not going to make a commune here or some kind of crazy. Like, what is this? This is life together. It shows consistent connection to the body of Christ. So does that mean I have to eat my meals with, with the, people, the person sitting next to me? Like, am I inviting them to dinner tonight now? It means that you're consistently connected to the body of Christ beyond what's happening here on a Sunday morning. It means that there's a regular time and outlet for you to connect with others and grow together and be a part of the family of God. This is a habit that was formed. You know, when we think about it, it wasn't casual and it wasn't every so often. It was habitual that they were meeting together. There was a habit that was formed that they just were around each other, connecting with each other regularly. They were meeting together. By the time that we get to the book of Hebrews. The author that's writing to the Hebrews, those that are, that are scattered amongst this, this area, um, those that had formerly, many of them, been in the faith, they were Jewish. Um, there's a concern that's deep in the heart of the author we learn about as we read the book of Hebrews. And it's a New Testament letter that was written and circulated. We now have a scripture to us today. And one of the things that he's so concerned about is that there are many that are falling away. There are many that are abandoning their faith that are just letting go. They're not following Christ anymore. They're just becoming like the world around them. They're allowing all the pressures that's happening around them to start to retreat and to go back and to, as a, he uses in his own language, shrink back instead of persevere and press forward. And so as he's writing in, in, in Hebrews chapter 10, he comes to this connection between a few thoughts and I want us to understand this because it gets at the heart of what we're talking about in koinonia. And koinonia being a key part of holding us in the faith and not allowing us to go by the wayside. Not allowing us to fall away and to turn away, but to keep us. In Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 23, here's what the author says. He says that we must hold unswervingly. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. He's faithful, isn't he, church? He's faithful to fulfill everything he said he'd done. But then it goes on, and here's what he says next in verse 24. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the what? Habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, what's happening in this passage of Scripture, in this block of writing, is amazing because it's one thought building upon the other. And it's almost like a foundation saying, let's not fall away. Hold on to the faith. Continue to hang on. Don't leave Christ. Don't allow your faith to wander. Don't allow your heart to grow cold. 
For some, you know, you, you've gone through those seasons where you've just kind of fallen away. You've been far from God. He's saying, don't do that. Hold tightly. Hold unswervingly. Don't let go and don't give up. But right after he follows it up, let's keep encouraging one another. Say, so you know what? If, if you're not in those kind of relationships, you don't have a group of people around you, a support system to help you, it's easy to let go. So why does he say then let us spur one another on? Let's continue to encourage one another. Why? Because it takes that. It takes that community that when one feels weak, one feels like, I don't know what to do. I feel like letting go that people can surround and say, no, we're here with you. We got it. We got you. Come on. We can do this. You can do this. There's support there. The author says make sure we keep supporting one another. Find ways to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And then he goes on and deeper and says, Let's not give up meeting together because there are people that are in the habit of doing that. But we have to encourage one another. I want you to know that if we give up meeting together, we're missing out on something. It runs a risk of easily falling to the left or to the right. When we get isolated, dangerous things can happen. When we get isolated, we're vulnerable. When we get isolated from one another, I want you to know something. It, it allows you to be in a place that you weren't meant or designed to be in. We were created for community. We were created to be in relationship with one another. God made us that way. It's a part of his heart's desire for you and for me to not just do this thing by ourselves, but to be in community together. One of the greatest things that's plaguing us in America today is loneliness. Did you know that? There was a Gallup poll that was done um, a couple years ago. And the Gallup poll... Um, all the survey and all the data that they had pulled together, it indicated that America was found among the loneliest countries in the world. Meaning the people in America, Americans being the loneliest people in the world. Now this just has to cause you to scratch your head. This seems unbelievable because we have access to transportation, to billions of dollars in discretionary money that's available for all of our entertainment. We can buy so much activity how can we be so lonely? We are surrounded by more people than ever in the history of our country. There's undeniable benefits happening. How could this poll say that we are among the loneliest people in the world? Do you know why? Because the cure for loneliness won't be found in all those activities we can buy. The cure for loneliness isn't going to happen in entertainment and making ourselves feel better. It isn't going to be found by, by finding drugs and things that could pacify our pains that we're feeling. The true cure for loneliness is a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior. And I believe it's through connection to the body of Christ, the church. I want you to know that those trends of loneliness will keep going up as church attendance keeps going down. I want you to know that. Follow me on that. As people get more and more disconnected from the body of Christ, they're going to become more and more lonely as a result. We can try to find things to pacify that, but I want you to know that God's design and his desire is making the body of Christ to be a place that when you get connected, it becomes a cure to that loneliness. Do you know why? Because you're not alone. You have family. You have a body of people that care about you. You have a community that you are a part of. I'm going to invite Pastor Rick to come forward at this time. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 calls us to carry one another's burdens. In this way we fulfill the law of Christ. I want you to know something today. Maybe you've gone through this season and this season in life feels lonely like I've talked about. You feel kind of disconnected. 
I want you to know the answer of that is to take steps to get connected. We have opportunities, and I want you to know you can come and go on a Sunday morning, and I don't believe that that will cure your loneliness. You could be around a thousand people on a Sunday, but it's not going to fill the deep need that's really there at the heart of it. I want you to know that it's only met through koinonia, the koinonia that God's Word talks about, the koinonia that we're talking about here. The habit that we must form in our hearts, church, is we have to begin to intentionally cultivate koinonia in our lives, that we have to long to not just be a part of clubs and social circles, to be a part of a life-giving community where we are connected to one another, where we care for one another, where we meet together consistently with one another. Watch what happens. Watch how God moves in your heart and in your life. I know some of you, you've been connected to small groups here at Evangel. You've been connected to a small group of people, and you've met together regularly. And in that place, you find yourself encouraged. You find yourself challenged. You see that you're growing. The people around you notice you're not who you used to be. You know why? Because you've gotten connected. You're starting to experience koinonia in your life. That's my prayer for us. As a church, that's my prayer that we would get to a place where we carry one another's burdens, where, we, where we're able to express this and be who God has called and created us to be. What did Jesus pray in John chapter 17, verse 20? My prayer is not for them alone. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message, that they all may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us. Why? so that the world may believe that you have sent me. When we get to Acts chapter 2, verse 47, the final verse in that passage of Scripture, showing us what was happening in the early church. Here's what it says. It says, Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We see the very fulfillment to Jesus' prayer happening as koinonia is happening in the early church. My prayer is what would it look like as we as a church make that our heart's desire, developing habits where we're cultivating koinonia in our own lives that we're going to see God adding to our numbers daily, those that are being saved. We're going to see us carrying one another's burdens, loving one another, sacrificing for one another, growing together in community. We're family. We're in this together, church. It's what God's word says and calls us to. So how can we apply this to our lives today? Take a step towards koinonia by getting more connected. Are you connected in any kind of community inside of Evangel Church that goes beyond our Sunday morning gathering? This is not a place where we can experience the fullness of what we're talking about in God's word. It only happens through these smaller, more intimate and connected environments. Get involved in one of our small groups that we are we currently have running or as we get into a small group season, we're going to start signing up for that in just about a month from now. So over the next several weeks, you'll start to hear about opportunities to get involved in small groups. That's a key place where our prayer is that koinonia will take place, where you'll break bread, where you'll share meals, where you'll share with one another, and where you'll grow together. For some of you that are in the house today, you have a gift on your life that involves the things we talked about when it said this is how we should be to one another. It says offer hospitality to one another. For someone in the house today, your gift is hospitality. You're great. You're great at creating environments that are welcoming and hospitable and invite people in and everyone wants to be at your house on Memorial Day or whatever other holiday and you just have a gift for that. Don't allow that gift to only be used in some of those on and off ways every so often or in special holidays. 
Consider opening your home and allowing the gift of hospitality to be expressed through your life in a way that could lead to koinonia taking place. For some of you, you've been holding back for too long. You've been letting the calendar and all the busyness of life hold you back. Don't bury that talent. Don't bury that gift anymore. Allow it to be used for the Lord in this upcoming season. Make a decision today that when we get into October of this year and we begin a small group season, that your home will be one of the homes where you'll pray and you'll allow for koinonia to begin to take place as we come together in small groups as the body of Christ. Today, you can take a step towards saying, I'm going to make this habit in my life. I'm going to commit myself to begin to get connected to the body of Christ and getting connected in a small group. If you're willing to do that today, church, as you leave today in the foyer at our information desk, we have a couple sign-up sheets for small groups that are coming up this fall. If you sign up there and you give us your name, let us know if you're looking to attend or maybe even open your home or lead a small group. Just indicate it there. We're going to take that list and when we get ready to launch our new small group season that will begin in October, you're going to be the first ones to find out about all the exciting opportunities that are coming with that season. So take that step, make yourself available, be intentional about getting connected in Koinonia. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning? Before I pray for you, I, I, I feel led that we're talking about this idea of being welcomed in, of caring for one another. I want you to know that the only reason we have the capacity and the ability to do this is because we've been welcomed in by a God who loves us because we've been saved and forgiven and redeemed by the one who went to the cross for you and me, Jesus. And if it wasn't for God's incredible hospitality towards us, we wouldn't even be able to talk about this or experience this kind of love. And today you might be in this room and you've heard about all these incredible things. Today's the day where you realize deep inside, this is missing in my life. My life isn't right with God. Today, if you were honest about yourself, you, you feel that you're far from God and you've never made a decision to surrender your life fully to Jesus Christ. And today, if you're within the sound of my voice and you've never done that, you've never confessed your sins and, and experienced the incredible gift of God's forgiveness in your life and committed yourself to follow Jesus for all of your days, I would love nothing more than to have the opportunity to pray for you to make the greatest decision that you'll ever make, to experience the greatest love that this world has ever known. You don't have to be a perfect person, but you have to fully acknowledge your need for him. And you have to accept the gift of his grace in your life. So if you're in this room without anyone even looking around, don't worry about the left or the right. Just think about yourself right now before God. If you're within the sound of my voice, and today's the day that you say, Pastor, I'm ready. I want to start a brand new relationship with Jesus Christ. I want Jesus to come in and be my Lord and Savior. I want you to lift your hand right where you're at right now. If that's you, just lift your hand right above your head. I want to pray for you. Amen. I see a hand in the back. Is there anyone else? Praise God. I see your hand as well. Anyone on the balcony? Amen. Amen. I see your hand as well. A few hands that have gone up around the room. Praise God. We're going to pray right now. I want you to pray this. Repeat these words from the bottom of your heart with me. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life to forgive me of my sins that have separated me from you. I believe that you came and that you died and that you rose again for me. Come and be my Lord and my Savior. And I commit to follow you all the days of my life. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Welcome to the family of God. Can we celebrate that, church? Listen, if you rose your hand, don't be ashamed of that or afraid of that. I want you to let somebody know about that. Don't leave here. We have a gift we'd love to give to you. But let's all stand here together today in the church. And I have one final way that we're going to just close out. We closed out this way in our first service. But what would it mean for us to talk about this kind of care, this kind of fellowship, this kind of koinonia without just having a small opportunity for us to share this with one another? There are many of us that are walking through a lot of different things in this life. And before we close out, I would just love to have the opportunity for us to pray for some of those needs. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do as we get ready for a closing prayer. I want you to know if you're here today and you're walking through something, perhaps it's overwhelming you. You need God's intervention. You need God to move in a circumstance in your life. Uh, you don't know where to turn, what to do, whatever it is. It might, it's something serious that you would just, you would like prayer for that you're walking through and you're willing to acknowledge that. Would you just lift your hand high above your head if that's you? Come on, we can look around. You don't have to, you don't have to worry about that. Let's lift your hand up right above your head. Okay, church, we see the hands. Look around, everyone. Keep your hand up. Would you just turn if someone's near you right now and their hand is lifted? And would you just begin to pray for them right now? Come on, church. Can we just be the church, the body of Christ to one another for just a few moments? If you see someone's hand up, let's not let one person stand alone with their hand lifted in the air. Let's come around each other right now. If you have a family, you're together. There's no one around you. Don't you just gather around one another. We're going to pray for each other for just a few moments right now as we close out our service of God's love and his grace. Uh, to be over these situations and over these circumstances. Come on, if you see someone's hand in the air, just gather around them right now, and we're going to pray. Come on, let's pray. begin to pray and intercede for them right now. Come on, if that's you, just begin to pray and lift up your need before the Lord. Lord Jesus, we come before you, Lord God. Lord, you see every heart. You see every circumstance. You see everything that, Lord God, is being faced by the many hands and the many people that are standing today, Lord God. But we can say with certainty that our God reigns over every circumstance, over every trial, over every challenge, Lord God. We pray today for your grace, for your mercy to wash over them, Lord God, that they would feel the love of heaven in their life today, Lord God, that they would feel your presence in every bit of despair, any bit of uncertainty, Lord God, every trial that they face, Lord God. Lord, I pray your power would be quickened, Lord God, to those places that they need a touch from you most, Lord God. Lord, we pray for healing in bodies that are broken today, Lord God. We pray for provision and circumstances circumstances that seem impossible, Lord God. We pray for reconciliation, Lord God, in areas where there is a brokenness, Lord God, and pain. Lord, we pray today for wisdom and discernment, Lord God, for those who don't know which way to go, Lord God. Lord, come and reign in every life and in every circumstance, Lord God. We lift them before you together, and Lord, we count it now as the body of Christ a privilege, Lord God, to stand with our brothers and our sisters, Lord God, to be one as you've called us to be one, Lord Lord God, to lift one another up, Lord God. Lord, would you bond us together, Lord God, and would you allow us to care for and love one another with a love that comes from you, Lord God, that we're in this together, Lord God. We won't let one stand alone, Lord God. We carry one another's burdens. So, Lord God, come and fulfill every need that is brought before your throne today, Lord God, by your power and your grace and your mercy. And we'll be sure to give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate that? It's God. Amen. All right. God bless you today as you go. If you need prayer, any more prayer, you can come forward. We'll have a few of our prayer workers up here in the front. 
If not, God bless you as you go. Please feel free to connect with one another a little bit before you go. Would you turn and greet someone again? Tell them we're family. Uh, get to know them and uh, make yourself available to everything going on in the foyer. We hope you have been challenged and blessed by this message. For more information, visit us at evangelchurch.com.